Well, good morning again. I am excited about being able to preach this morning. Um, God is good, okay? So that is, that's where we're going to be today, is just the fact that God is good, even when our present circumstances may not dictate that God may be good. Um, as individuals within the church body here, we have experienced pain and, and suffering, and we are very aware that we live in a broken, fallen Genesis 3 world. That then translates into the church body as a whole has recently suffered for several years, I would say, but most tangibly in the last month or so. And so this morning, what I want to look at, since we are heading into Thanksgiving season and heading into the Advent season, sometimes when we have those pains, it's hard for us to to be thankful. It's hard for us to be excited about looking forward to celebrating the coming of the Messiah. And so we're not, I'm not going to just look at some verses to make us all feel better and f- be able to force a smile on our face. But we're going to look at some characteristics of God, three characteristics of, characteristics of God that we can always rely on and always lean on. Sometimes our world may not allow us to believe that these characteristics of God are true, but we're going to look at some scripture and we're going to see how these characteristics truly are real based on Old Testament and New Testament texts. And so as we enter this holiday season, we're not going to be looking necessarily just for the warm fuzzies and to be excited about the season, but we're going to be looking at the reason for the season. I know that's super cheesy, but I said it. (laughs) So we are going to look at the very end of this message. Before we head out, we're going to look at Psalm 100. But that's not where we're going to go right now, so don't, don't start turning yet, because we've got, we have several passages to look at this morning before then. But on Wednesday nights, the last couple of weeks, and for the next few, few weeks, we're going to be looking at um, what it means to pray and what prayer looks like, using the Psalms as kind of a guide for us. And so Psalm 100, we're going to see that in a little bit, how the psalmist... Um, does not thank God for anything that he specifically did for him. He rather thanks him just for who he is. And so oftentimes where we get so distracted by what God has or what we feel hasn't done for us, that we are unable to thank him for just who he is. So this morning, we're going to look at three characteristics that we can thank him for, for who he is. So before we get into that, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I just pray that you would be with this time. Lord, I pray that you would just provide um, your comfort and peace um, to individuals in this church body, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the three traits we're going to look at. We're going to look at that God is present. We're going to look at God's presence. We're then going to look at God's independence or his self-existence. And then we're going to look at God's unchanging nature or his immutability. I'm not going to use that word again, but I wanted to use it. So God's unchanging nature. So first, God's presence. Turn with me, please, to the book of Exodus. We're going to kind of spend some time in the book of Exodus. What I hope comes through in these traits of God is that they're all interconnected with each other. And so we're going to look first at just God's presence. 
So we, in the book of Exodus, we see the people of God being set free from their captivity in Egypt um, because God had chosen Moses to do that work for him. And so God is present early on. We're going to look at Exodus 3 in just a second. But after the people of Israel were released from Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea, they were guided by fire by, at night and clouds at day. And we see that in Exodus chapter 13. Turn with me, though, please, to Exodus 26. Exodus 26. Okay, since Bibles are still flipping, I'm sorry, go to Exodus 40. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to go to Exodus 40. That's what we're going to read, but we're going to look at 26 and then Genesis 3 as well. (laughs) Yeah, Exodus 40. (laughs) Oh, dear. All right, so in Exodus 26, we see... No, 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 don't go there. No, 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 no. (sighs) I like this. (laughs) So just so you know, we're going to be looking at a lot of texts this morning. So it may be good just to take notes and look at these texts later, but we are going to read Exodus 40 for sure. So in Exodus 26, Moses is given the the plans for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was set in the in the within the camp of the Israelites, and that is where the presence of God was to be, okay? So God's presence was with the people in Israel after they had left Egypt. They're camped out at Mount Sinai. But that God's presence was with his people from the very beginning. In Genesis, we see people, humanity was created for a relationship with God. We see in Genesis 3, after the fall, God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day to find Adam and Eve. God has always been a God that wants to be present with his people. Now, since you are already in Exodus 40, we're going to look at verses 34 through 38. So Moses has already received the Ten Commandments again, um, a second time. And this is Moses executing all of the final plans that God had instructed of him throughout the book of Exodus. And so Exodus 40 verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because a cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys Whenever the, people, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So while the people of Israel were traveling, the tabernacle was always a reminder that God's presence was with them. Now, As we know of their 40 years wandering in the desert, they didn't always recognize God's presence being there. 
They didn't always immediately say, oh, yes, God is with us, so we must behave. They still deviated. They still did their own thing, but God was present with the people. In Exodus 33, don't turn there. This is after uh, Moses was given the Ten, the ten Commandments a second time. Um, Moses is, is told by God that God will be going with the people of Israel. God will be going with Moses and will be going with the people of Israel. So that's Old Testament presence of God. Now look at, let's look at something in the New Testament. Let's turn to Matthew 28. That should be a very common passage for you all. We're going to look at verses uh, 18 through 20. So while Jesus was doing his ministry, while he was on the earth in John, in the book of John, he actually says, hey, I've got to go, but I'm going to provide someone that's going to be for you. I'm going to provide a helper for you, and it's good that I go. And so this is kind of that, that period also, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, um, or 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we see the the providing of the Holy Spirit by Christ um, and Jesus being a fleshly representation of God on this earth, the incarnation. This is a beautiful picture and a beautiful reminder that that the Trinity, we're going to look at this in a little bit, the Trinity is all about the glory of God. Three individual persons, one God. And we don't see one person acting outside of the character of God. And so we know, we can look at the way that God interacted with the people of Israel in the Old Testament and know that that is the same God that is interacting with us today. So the next piece, so God is present. God is independent. So this is the ultimate, like, may I speak to your manager move. God is completely in charge of everything that goes on in this world. And so we don't have to sit around and twiddle our thumbs wondering, well, what is God doing? Who is he waiting on? We are able to go to the creator of this universe and and have a conversation with him. And we see that whether it's a, we get to rest in the fact that he is ultimately in charge, or even if we need to kind of have a a spirited discussion. We see Moses um, doing that when God originally said, Moses, you are going to go, and you're going to set my people free. Moses came up with a bunch of excuses. Abraham did the same thing. Abraham was like, hey, please don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because Lot's there, and there's other righteous people there. And Abraham and God had a back and forth conversation about that. And so this comes back into the idea that God is present. He wants to have a relationship with you and not just put his thumb on you. Even within the church, I think, sometimes we still get this sense that, man, God just is not for me. God is not out for my best interest. But we must remember and must rest in the fact that he truly is. We may not like his response, but God is orchestrating things for his glory. So we see this in Exodus 3.14 when Moses um, and God are, are talking at the burning bush. 
but then also in Colossians chapter 1. So turn with me, please, to the book of Colossians. We're going to read verses 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the indivisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So what we see here is that not only God the Father, but Jesus the Son were self-existent. The, the Father created the Son, and, and then the Son sends the Holy Spirit. And so this is a, an idea that the Trinity, though we may not, we don't understand it fully because our minds just cannot comprehend it, but the Trinity is a key piece in God's relationship with us. He has provided a, a presence, a physical presence. He has provided a spiritual presence, and all of it goes back to providing glory back to God. And that then flows into God's unchanging nature. God is unchanging. Turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews 13. In our world today, at least in my life, um, things are oftentimes very chaotic, um, things just, I, I, have, I have plans most days, and most days those plans get interrupted. And so we're always having to try to, to, to change what's going on. But we must realize that God is unchanging, and we have a safe harbor with him. So we're going to read verse 8 of chapter 13, and then we're going to go back and read a little bit more of it. So, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That is an encouraging statement. But I believe there's even more to this text than what, just that, that little piece. Um, the book of Hebrews was written uh, for a, 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 an audience of Christians that also were very, they were still deeply Jewish. And so in this, what we see when we read a little bit further, we see how Jesus is placed front and center in the same idea of the sacrificial system that was the way to God, that was the way to cleansing and purification in the old covenant. So now let's read 8, and we're going to read through the 15. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. What we see in this text is that Jesus is placed front and center in the sacrificial system. That the way to God in the Old Covenant was through a death through sacrifice. The way through God in the New Covenant is still death and sacrifice. But instead of a yearly or even a sin-by-sin offering, it has been fulfilled once and for all. God still relates to people the same way he did in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It just looks different. It's the same thing. So God is unchanging throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we're going to begin to wrap up. What does this mean? So we see three things. God is present, God is independent, and God is unchanging. Our world around us is often um, distancing. Our world around us is often, oftentimes we're waiting on someone else to make decisions before things can happen, or we're waiting for chaos to just subside before we can make a decision ourselves. But God is above that, and we are able to have a relationship with that God. So in spite of our hurts, in spite of what the world throws at us, in spite of what we see in our daily lives because of living under the curse of sin, God is still good, and God is these things. So therefore, we can be thankful to God for who he is and not just what he has done. We can go around the room and we can list things that God has done for us. But these are also, these are things that all believers have an immediate application to. This is who the God is that we serve. And so this morning, um, if you do not have a relationship with this God at all, if you do not know who this God is, please, I would love to come and talk. I would love to talk with you. Um, But If you know who this God is already, but you've kind of lost that relationship with him, you just don't, the world has kind of overwhelmed you. I would love to pray with you, but the altar is open here. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I just pray that you would just continue to be with us, continue to guide us as individuals, Lord. I just pray that you, I thank you just for who you are. I thank you for your your desire to be in relationship with us. In Jesus' name, amen.